Good morning. Welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRN AM for Thursday, October 5th, 2023. And our top story today, taking a proactive approach to aging. And joining me now to discuss this and a lot more is Dr. Zoe Diana Drelos of the Duke University School of Medicine. She's also the editor-in-chief of Dermatology Times. Zoe, it's great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and, and you know, we're going to talk about taking a proactive approach to aging. And, and I guess my first question is, you know, the Food and Drug Administration, don't, they don't really classify aging as a disease, but do you think they maybe should? Oh, absolutely. Aging should be a disease because you notice some people are in their 80s and they look like they're in their 60s and some people in their 60s and look like they're in their 80s. So it's clear that not all people age the same. And so why do some people age better than others? And really aging means that you're staying out of the hospital, you're staying away from the doctor, you're reducing medical expenses, especially with the burgeoning Medicare budget. So really getting aging under control and having ideas and drugs that can help people age better. What does aging better mean? It means you're healthier. So addressing aging and helping people live longer, more productive lives instead of longer, sickly lives, I think that should be a major goal of medical care here in the United States. Yeah, I think you're kind of going towards preventative medicine as opposed to reactive medicine. Um, I know that you're the editor of the Dermatology Times, Skin, and you mentioned some people look are in their 60s, maybe look like they're in their 80s. Some people in their 80s look like in their 60s. Are there are there things that really kind of factor into how we age from a skin perspective? Because you know, like you, you read uh, certain magazines and you see people getting all sorts of procedures to make themselves look maybe a little bit different, a little bit younger. But are there things that we can do to to maybe treat our skin the right way and therefore help with our aging? Oh, absolutely. I think the biggest culprit for skin is sun. So if you have a lot of sun exposure, you're going to prematurely age your skin. So all the tanning booths that you see along the streets, those are pro-aging establishments. Uh, Eating too much, being very heavy. We have an epidemic of obesity in the United States. And so one of the things that ages your skin more quickly is if you have a very high circulating glucose level, that means your sugars are out of control. So if your sugars are out of control, then you get what's called advanced glycation end products where the sugars bind to the proteins of the body. And if you think about what happens in diabetics, they get neuropathy. They don't have feeling in their feet. Their skin doesn't heal as well. They get heart disease, they get kidney disease. That's all because of the high circulating sugars that are binding to the proteins in those organs and causing them to malfunction. So diet has a very important role to play. You know, people who age well, we always say, oh, they have good genes. And that is part of it. But the other 50% of it is how you live your life and really helping people prevent problems down the road is really the best medicine. You know, once the damage has occurred, and like you use the word reactive, once we're reacting to disease, pretty much it's all over. You're never going to get back to a completely healthy state. You may be able to compensate for your disease. Yeah, I I guess I should have started with the skin. Your skin is like your largest organ. And I would imagine it's very telling, forgetting, you know, the wrinkles and the signs of aging, but it's probably very telling when it comes to disease you can you as a professional can look at my skin and say well jeffrey 
you may want to do this or you may want to have some more vitamin D or, or whatever. Right. You know, your skin is the only organ that you can really see and assess. And, you know, when someone says you look great or, gosh, you haven't aged, what are they assessing? They're assessing your skin. And so, you know, if you could look at your heart and your kidneys, you might have a similar assessment, but your skin is really the mirror of your body. And so if someone has very aged looking skin externally, they probably have a lot of medical disease going on internally. Yeah. And, and last question before we go to a commercial break, because there's a lot I want to unpack here, but um, water, water is a big part of the, uh, it's a big part of the earth, big part of our planet, but a big part of our human body maintaining a good uh, consumption of water every day probably helps with the hydration, makes you maybe look a little bit fuller, maybe don't have that, that gaunt look, but also probably has some really uh, nutritional and important benefits to the body. Yes, water is very, very important to the skin. So water is the plasticizer of the skin. That's what allows you to pick up your skin, deform it and have a bounce back. But a lot of people say, well, you got to drink eight glasses of water every day for your skin. Actually, you don't have to do that. That's for your kidneys. And if you drink lots and lots of water, you'll just spend more and more time on the toilet. But the skin does need water. It does need to stay in balance. And we constantly lose water to the environment, which is why you have to continue to drink. And that loss of water is known as transepidermal water loss. That means through the skin water loss. And it's that constant loss of water to the environment that is the reason we need to keep drinking. So normally equilibrium between the internal and external body occurs at about 70% humidity, which is swampy to most people. So most commercial environments are 30% humidity. And that's why we, we continually lose water from our higher water content skin to the lower content environment around us. Yeah, a really good point. Uh, Zoe, I need to take a very quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about prevention and lifestyle tips. You're going to want to stay tuned right here on BRN AM. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses, I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. 
Welcome back. We're joined this morning by Dr. Zoe Diana Jurelos of Duke University School of Medicine and also the Editor-in-Chief of Dermatology Times. Zoe, thanks so much for staying with us. Really appreciate you hanging around for segment number two this morning. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and I feel like I, I haven't aged a bit since I've been talking to you. Um, let's talk about the classification. I'm kidding, of course. I've aged a couple of minutes. But let's talk about the classification of aging as a disease and why why is that so important? We started off talking about that. It's not according to the FDA. Why should that be important? Why should they, you know, I'm not a lobbyist, but why should they reconsider that? Well, the reason why the FDA doesn't consider aging a disease is because everybody has it. So if everybody has it, it can't be a disease because only certain individuals are usually affected by a disease. But everyone has aging, but yet it should still be classified as, as a disease. And the reason is, is that when you as a pharmaceutical company want to develop a drug, you have to have a reason for that drug. And that's known as an indication. So you have to have an indication for the drug. Well, if aging is not classified as a disease and you develop a drug for aging, since there's no recognized at indication, you can't, you can't have that drug approved. So it's kind of a regulatory thing. But aging is a disease, most definitely. And, and all diseases, in some small part, you can accredit to aging. For example, why does renal failure usually occur in people in their 50s? Why doesn't it occur in people in their 20s? Because people have aged. Uh, skin cancer, largely see skin cancer in people in their 60s, maybe 50s. It isn't that they reached that age and all of a sudden got the disease. It's that they've been building up that sun damage that finally resulted in that terminal event, which is skin cancer. So my thought as a physician, especially as a dermatologist, is that aging really should be addressed as a disease from the instant we exit the womb. And then we should be able to live the healthiest, most fulfilled lives through modern medicine. And if you if you address aging early rather than when you're in your 70s, by the time you get to your 70s, you'll be healthier, you'll be in better shape, and you'll have better life productivity. You know, we talk about wanting to live as long as possible, but part of living as long as possible is living intact, productive lives, you know, not being demented, you know, not being able to only sit in a wheelchair, you know, not being able to recognize those around us. So there's a difference between living a long life and living a long, healthy life. And I, I, I agree with you. It's kind of like, it doesn't make any sense logically. If you really play it through to think about your lifestyle at age 70, you surely should be taught that early on. But let's talk about some lifestyle things that we can do. You know, look, I'm 51. Maybe I didn't always, you know, maybe I had a little bit of alcohol when I was younger. Let's talk about things that we can do right now, all of us, regardless of our age. What are some, some tips we can do to age well, but also live pr those productive lives that we're talking about this morning? Right. Well, you know, I think your mom probably told you this when you were young, and she, of course, was the fountain of information. And your mom said, eat your fruits and vegetables. And that right there encompasses one of the most important recipes for a, a long, productive life. So for example, those fruits and vegetables are full of vitamins and minerals, and those are the raw materials that your body needs to repair itself. And your body will find those materials within itself if you don't 
provide them. So for example, if you're a true vegetarian and eat no protein, it's going to break down your muscles and use your muscle protein to keep you healthy. If, for example, your calcium intake is insufficient, it's going to take that calcium out of your teeth. And so if you don't provide those raw materials, it will degrade your own body and prematurely age you. So eating is something that you could spend hours talking to someone about. But the way I approach it with my patients is I tell them, eat something of every color every day. And the reason is, is all of the vitamins and nutrients that we need are colored. An excellent example of this is if you take a group of children and you give them a hard candy of each color of the primary colors, you give them a yellow one, a red one, a green one, and a blue one, 90% of the children will pick the red candy. There's no vitamin A in that candy. There's no vitamin C in that candy. It's, it's food coloring number 40. But still, the child will pick that candy, and that's because we are programmed to eat red. And the reason we're programmed to eat red is red contains vitamin A and vitamin C, and those must be consumed with every meal because vitamin C and vitamin A are very necessary for vision. They're important antioxidants in the body. You get scurvy if you don't have vitamin C. That's what killed most of the people that tried to settle the United States on those long boat trips many years ago. So we are programmed to eat by color, but we're fooled because there's so many artificial food additives and colorants that are present in the food. So for example, Doritos have kind of a red powder on them, but there's no vitamin C or vitamin A in that powder. It's colored. So you should eat something red, yellow, tomatoes, citrus fruits. You need something green, avocados, broccoli. You should eat something brown. You should eat a handful of nuts. Um, you should eat something purpley blue. You should eat a handful of blueberries. And so uh, if you eat by color, you'll be nutritionally home. That makes a lot of sense to me. And I, I did have my couple of blueberries this morning before the program. Let me, let me, last question I want to ask you, I want to ask about the sun. Uh, we need the sun to keep the earth warm. Uh, but you go outside and there's obviously radiation. The, the earth does a pretty decent job of protecting us from radiation. That's a whole scientific discussion. How important is the sun not getting too much, but, but getting, getting enough to our effervescence, our, our youth, and, and, and not aging badly? Well, sun exposure has been equated with vitamin D production. And it used to be thought that you had to get some sun to get some vitamin D, but actually the amount of vitamin D that's produced from the sun is very little. And vitamin D actually is not a vitamin. It's a sex hormone. If you look at it structurally, it looks a lot like testosterone and estrogen. So vitamin D is a sex hormone and vitamin D levels decrease dramatically after menopause in women. You can't get enough vitamin D from the sun as a postmenopausal woman. You must take it orally. And that is one of the few vitamins that you really have to consume in a supplement type form. Most postmenopausal women need somewhere around 4,000 international units. Uh, several years ago, the minimum daily requirement for vitamin D was increased after the recognition was that about 60% of people were vitamin D deficient. What does vitamin D do? Vitamin D is a mood elevator. You know how many older people get grouchy? It's probably because they're vitamin D deficient. It's also necessary for good bone health. If your bones aren't strong and intact, doesn't matter how great your skin looks, if you don't stretch it over a nice framework, it's still not attractive. You notice a lot of vertebral compressions, a lot of fractures in elderly people, they could indeed be vitamin D deficient. So uh, all sun exposure is probably not good for you. There isn't a minimum amount of time that you should go out and be in the sun. Now, I'm not saying to stay inside and be a hermit, 
but you should wear a hat. You should wear your sunscreen. You should wear as much clothing as you can stand to wear and keep the sun off your skin. All sun exposure is pro-aging. None of it is anti-aging. Yeah, and I've got a lot of extra space that I have to cover as well. Sorry, we're going to have to leave it there. Really great conversation. I thought we were going to talk a lot about the skin, but you know, we brought it all together because it all, at the end of the day, everything's really interrelated. Great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us. And we look forward to having you back on the program again very soon. Thanks for having me. And that wraps up this episode of BRNAM. Have a topic of interest, somebody you think we should talk to, drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest curated news and lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more, all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archive, check out our latest content, then visit our website. We're back again tomorrow with another edition of BRNAM of a very special guest and, of course, a very important topic. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe, keep on saving, and don't forget, roll with the changes. Now is your opportunity to co-create content around any topic on the first lifestyle and wellness network. Reach a global audience through our platform and co-own exclusive branded content. All of our programs are available on demand and also as audio-only podcasts so you can take us on the go. Broadcast Retirement Network, available anytime, anywhere, and on any device.